The time is 6.27 p.m. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Hello, till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sansbury. Alexa, what time is it? The time is 6.27pm. Um, sorry, I don't know if you caught the feedback then from me joining the group, the room, as <laughs> as we did it. So we've we've surmounted the mountain of technical problems. Is that even proper language? Indeed, yes. I think it's a bit flowery. The interface of direct... Intergalactic, oh, marvelous, is allowing us to broadcast to the nation as a whole. Where in fact, your slightly small piece of cheap Japanese, Chinese stuff that you bought off the internet went a bit wrong, didn't it? Um, well, yes. the The culprit was this um, this twenty pound jobby um, that basically done for us on Sunday. So thank you very much to Reverend Amy Webb for being patient with us and agreeing to come back on tonight. Um, and, um, yes, that was what completely, um, flummoxed us, but, um, I'll be hastily figuring out plan B plans B in case that sort of shenanigans happens in the future. But yes, we are here. Um, I still even have some hair. Um, and, um, we're ready for, Sowing the seeds of love and tears, tears yes. for fears. So, hang on. That's tears with an eye. So here we are. Yeah, I think I've got a tears for fears. Have you? I went backstage at a tears for fears con- uh, concert, and there was a Bree, there was a Stilton, there was a Ch- Cheddar, and I said, "Is there any chance?" I. Unfortunately, due to the internet frazzles, I, I, I lost the end of that. I don't know if I'm better off for that. Uh, uh, they're my own personal cheesers. <laughs> Bearing in mind who I guess How's is. your really? week been, mate? How's your week been? Ten um, days. Um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit chaotic. Um, work's been a bit hectic. It's been so, um. It's been so absorbing, to be honest with you. I've I've even had to dial back on a bit of Lib Deming. I know it's it's dreadful, absolutely oh, dreadful. That's that, that must be tragic. That's like, what have you been doing? Oh, I've been reducing the amount of time I shave my head with a cheese grater whilst chewing on tin foil. <laughs> now, now, uh, I'm more play fly Thursday. Yes, I've I've noticed the difference. Whether that's kind of just where you are in, you know, in your eating, kind of where you are in the day. I don't I don't know, but we're at the same time of day. So yes, so tonight we're going to be spending some time with Reverend Amy Webb, who's going to be letting us know uh, about a larder that she's setting up in um, in Cosham Park. Um, so we'll let her do all of that. Um, but before we get to that, should we quickly now that she's entered into the into the waiting room, should we very very quickly get on this day out of the way but before yeah, i do you've that done, you've done you've done the research simon it would be a shame to waste it come on hit me what we got it would okay so um 1586 thomas harriet introduces potatoes to england from columbia oh that's the famous blackheader isn't it where he takes a pinch of potato no thank you i don't god they'll be eating them next <laughs> you'll never catch on um Astronomer Anders Celsius takes measurements that confirm Newton's theory that the Earth was an elli- uh, the, uh, the Earth is an ellipsoid rather than the previously accepted sphere. It's definitely not flat, people. This was in no. 1736, um, and 
Yes, um, and just for um, 1984, the Bhopal disaster, Union Carbide pesticide plant leaks 45 tonnes of methyl isocyanate and other toxic compounds in Bhopal, India, kills 2,259 uh, people. Other estimates that. as high as 16,000. I remember that being on the news. Grim day. Very grim indeed. Yes. So, so there we are. Not- yeah, nice warm setup for our guest. Yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the last one's kind of not so terribly could, cheery. Could, yeah, could have been a bit livelier. Shall we invite the good Reverend in? I, 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 there's only so much editing of what's in history I can do. I'm not the doctor. I can't go back and change things. Um, just because my front door is the is the colour no, no, of the no, TARDIS. No. Um, so, and yes, it is people. Um, okay, so let's let's. Let Amy in, shall we? Hello, Amy. Hello. We just wait for the sound to catch up. Hello, how are you doing? Hello. <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> for good, being patient and wait and oh well allowing our technical collapse on Sunday and for still feeding us in this week <laughs> no problems <laughs> I guess Thursday easier than Sunday busiest day of the week well, it guessing. can be yeah Sunday can be a particularly busy day I have to no. say yes <laughs> no worries so we invite you on to talk about the Kosham Lada would you like to start just by introducing yourself sure Okay, so um, my name's um, Reverend Amy Webb, uh, and I'm a victim St. Philip's Cosham on the Highbury Estate and um, St. Peter and Paul Wimmering on Medina Road, which is the really ancient church you might have seen. Um, and uh, we are um, partnering to bring you the Cosham Larder. Um so if you've been in in Cosham Park recently that's the one in the centre of Cosham by the train station with all the hedges around it um there was a um, former bowling pavilion used to be the ladies bowling pavilion which has been run down for quite a long time was vandalized and, and sort of boarded up that has recently been transformed um into what's going to be the Cosham Larder um and it's looking really fantastic now um that's um thanks to Portsmouth City Council, um, who've done that up, and also um, the Southern Co-op, who have um, done lots of extra bits to make it even even nicer and have uh, fitted it out inside for us. And the idea is um, that we create something which is somewhere between, or, or kind of meets the needs of people who are somewhere between those who are flourishing and have, you know, lots of resources and, and money and and can make lots of good choices about food and all that kind of stuff and at the other end of the extreme people who are really in crisis point and mm. who are accessing um the, the food banks um and the idea of the cosmonada is it, it it before you get to the point where you are uh, on your sort of you know wits end and you're you're having to seek a referral to a caution uh, to a, a food bank um you can um access other ways of getting um, basic healthy food to feed your family without um, spending a fortune. So, <laughs> so, it, so how it works is, is it's a it's a kind of um, membership scheme, really. So you become a member of the LADA, and you do that. You sign up, and you and you pay your pound, and you can be a um, a member for a year for a pound. Uh, and once you are a member, you can then come and shop at the LADA. Um, once a week and you can get a bag of groceries um, say approximately 10 items uh, for three pounds so it's it's you're still buying your stuff so you're um, getting at a much reduced rate Um, and the only criteria is that you need to live within um, some certain geographical areas because obviously we can't serve everybody so Mm. we had to limit it to um, Cosham Wimmering and Paul's Grove, and uh, uh, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a um, 
pilot scheme really mm. because i think if, if we can make this work um in Cosham in the Cosham area then uh, there's the potential to roll out similar things in different areas across um portsmouth is the idea yeah, no, I mean, it sounds, it's, it's a concept that I hadn't heard of before. And, and, and as you say, it, it kind of, it, it seems to feel that niche in terms of, you know, it, it isn't just a straight food bank. It's a, it's a community space where, you know, and again, that, you know, there's, it's a membership, there's no stigma attached to it in terms of, you know, being part of that so in terms of how you make that work in in terms of being able to supply food are, are there partners that you're working with who are going to um supply that and what kind of products are, are, are you looking to stock in there yes it's absolutely a um partnership um project um my two churches might be um taking responsibility for the sort of day-to-day -day running but it's down to a whole load of other people that this is even possible um, I've got mentioned, obviously, Portsmouth City Council, who are providing the the building, um, and they're renting that at a at a really you know small rent to um, a charity called the Hive, which you may or may not have heard of. But they were involved in helping to um, organise the response across Portsmouth um, to COVID crisis. Um, so they kind of pull together lots of other different charities and groups and things that people are doing things and try to coordinate that. So the Hive um, are kind of underpinning this whole thing, and they they are the people who are renting the building. And then um, we've had a huge amount of support from Southern Co-op so far. In they fitted out the inside like a proper shop, you know, with mm. all the counters and shelving and everything. It looks really cool uh, because we want it to look. And this is quite key. It needs to look like a proper shop. It needs to be yeah. um, like a premium destination that you want to come to. Um, as opposed to sort of some musty church hall or something. Um, the idea that, that uh, you know, this is not kind of um, supposed to be you come cap in hand for some kind of charity. It's, this is, that's not what this is about. Mm. Um, you mentioned the word um, stigma, and that's absolutely what we're looking for. We want to be able to just provide or make sure that everybody has access um, to, to, to some basic healthy food um, without stigma, you know, that, that we can at least get that right. In terms of um, where the food is coming from, well, we have a, a number of options, but at the moment what we're going to be doing um, is we're going to use some of the funds that we've managed to um, acquire to purchase food to put into the larder so that we can control what we've got, mm. um, make sure that it's good quality um, and uh, have some sort of plan as, as to how that's going to work forward. Um, we might possibly in the future work with um, Fair Share. I don't know if you've heard about them, but they obviously uh, helped to just redistribute um, overstock, I think, yeah. basically from the supermarkets. Uh, so um, we may well work with them as well. Um, but at this point, what we, we don't really want is um, sort of donations in the same way that you might do to a food bank. Mm. So like, you know, random tins here and there and that, because obviously you can't control uh, the stock or the quality in quite the same way. Um, so because we've already had a few, some really kind offers of, of donations of things like that. But actually, that's that's kind of um, not how we're trying to operate this at the moment. I mean, if, if we run out of food, we'll take anything. But, but at this point, you know, that's that's not the plan. Um, and uh, we want to be able to provide uh, um, some core basic food. Um, that people know they, they're, they're always going to be able to get the stuff that you, you know you can produce a meal with basic meal um, and then on top of that we'd like to be able to do some interesting things every now and again so like you know some kind of little treat stuff that people can come and go oh yeah have some of that that'd be good you know it's a bit different uh, because we want it to be a positive experience it's you know a part of it is about building self-esteem for mm. people you know who are struggling and obviously I come across some of those people in my role as a vicar that um, who were working their asses off, basically working really hard, uh, but only just bringing in enough, you know, money to cover bills and making decisions about which bills they can pay. Uh, and if we can alleviate some of that stress for them by making sure that they can feed their families um, reasonably, uh, you know, without stretching themselves too much, um, then we feel that's a positive contribution uh, that we can make. It's also, I guess the location is so amazing. Mm. <laughs> we just ended up with this location. It's um, like a hidden garden. Being a hidden with, gem, uh, in the park. 
um, and you know it's near the bus and train stations etc center of caution there is obviously the potential uh, for it to become more of a sort of community hub mm. not just about food so we're quite open to that sort of anything like that as well that and we're open to that being developed by the people who come to access it as well, if you know what I mean, that they might take the lead and say, do you know what, I'd really like us to have some, I don't know, caution-based event when we're allowed to again, yep. uh, here on the green, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so there's that side of it as well. And also we hope to be able to um, have at our fingertips the information to be able to signpost people to other services that they might need as they come to a to access the food bank so you know that if someone comes and, and they've they're struggling with their mental health we might be able to you know point them in the direction of some support or you know debt counseling or finance issues uh, also there's this down the road when we get <laughs> lots of ideas here um down the line we might be able to offer um we'd like to, be able to get some recipe cards so that we can give some people some ideas about how to use I, I- I was going to ask you about that because I think sometimes you know you you do wonder whether the the art of home cooking is becoming a little bit of a lost art and batch cooking and those kind of things which I, I guess you know my mum and dad were a bit older and that was something they were they were very big into. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, and um, all I can say is it won't be me doing the training on the cooking. That's for sure because <laughs> I missed that too somehow. I would love someone to come and help me to do that. So, um, but there are people out there who are really good at that stuff. So it would be nice to be able to facilitate, um, yeah, people being out getting some really good basic recipes. Um, also, we may well be looking to provide, but basically we can we can provide um, frozen food, we can provide dry and tin food, you know, ambient food, we can provide uh, fresh food. And we might want to, as the weather improves in the spring summer we're hoping to be able to augment that potentially with fresh food that uh we plan to grow in our community garden that we're developing over here in Wimmering as well um and we've got some links with the allotment society um local allotments as well Cosham district um allotments and um so I might be seeking to see if they've got any uh, you know yep. overproduction you know how these things kind of sometimes you end up with a glut of tomatoes and stuff that we might be able to kind of um offer some of that as well to people for free um but then i was thinking about that, that literally that okay someone gives you like you know a bunch of vegetables unless you actually know or have some ideas about what you're going to do with it it's probably just going to go a bit moldy and rubbery at the bottom of the fridge isn't it so so yeah so if, if we can do perhaps some recipe cards potentially some cooking demonstrations um they might they might be online they might be you know videos that people can watch do it that way um you know there's lots of there's loads of different um th- avenues that we can go down um if we get this ladder off the off the ground so it sounds so exciting to be honest and i think you know very very empowering in terms of a, a community activity so in terms of with, with all of these things you know the, the, the sort of many hands make light work so you know as you're, as you're moving towards opening you know are there have you got the team that you need or are you you're still looking for some some different willing hands yeah absolutely <laughs> we've, we've got we've got a few um people some people have signed up to be volunteers but we would uh would love people to come and volunteer some time um, initially, we're looking to open three days a week, probably um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, during the daytime, um, open to the public, probably between 10 and uh, 2, but we'd be there from 9 till 3. And um, and obviously, that's going to need a lot of um, manning of support yeah. uh, of volunteers. So um, we definitely need lots of volunteers, and you can sign up um, to do that. We've got application forms and things like that um, to make sure we do that properly as well. Um, if you've got anybody that would love to help that has specific skills in uh, shop management, that would be great. Because funnily enough, uh, they don't train you these things at Theological College um, on how to run a, a shop <laughs> or set up a shop or manage stock and that sort of stuff and uh, food hygiene. Um, I've had a few people from the community who've already reached out and said, is there any way we can help? Um, which has been fantastic. And um, we'll probably be taking some people up on that um because so yeah so so the kind of shop management skills um always things like 
any kind of a, um, bookkeeping type stuff like that as well. And, and just basic kind of helping us stock shelves type stuff. Um, so anybody that's that's got a heart for the vision that I've tried to describe there, you know, of serving the community, helping people, um, you know, please please do get in touch. And what's the what's the best way for them to get in touch? Well, you can you can email us at um, it's larder at Cosham and Wimmering, and the and is an a and Coshamandwimmering.org is probably the best way to get hold of us. Okay. Uh, we've also got a Facebook page as well, um, Kosham Larder um, Facebook page as well, so you can contact us through that too. Fantastic. I've just shared them both in the in the comments in the live stream, so um, we've got those we've got those out there. Um, please please follow. Please offer to help. So Thank how you. how's the how's the how's the clock ticking to kind of counting down to going live? When's when's the big day? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm so stressed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so um, we had hoped that we would be able to open on the 12th of December. I think that that probably isn't going to be realistic, um, be mostly because of the, the, all of the hoops that we have to jump through um, in terms of, of um, all the paperwork and that kind of stuff, things that we have to you know, mm. sign off that kind of stuff, register and all that stuff. Uh, so what we're probably going to do is we're going to, we'll open, uh, people can start registering to become a member from the 12th of December. But I think in terms of actually opening the shop, we might have to do that um, early January. First of all. And, um, and they tell me, people tell me that actually the, um, the need in January is, is likely to be uh, more intense because, Absolutely. yeah, because people, you know, manage to give out special, food parcels and things in December don't they and everybody's focused on Christmas yeah but then you hit January and it can get really tough so so although I'm disappointed we probably won't be able to open the doors on 12th of December as we'd first hoped um maybe that's meant to be and maybe like actually January could be a really good time but it's, it's also a, a tough time of the year isn't it so knowing that there's that like you say if if lots of people focus the uh, the attention um, around December and around the, the Christmas period actually making sure that there's a there's this fantastic provision actually in the in the new year it is might actually in effect be the be just the just the very time that everybody needs it and the other thing about what we're trying to do because obviously that the idea kind of developed during um, lockdown uh, and um, going through the, 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 the stressful things that we've been all been going through this year. Um, but one of the key things for us was actually we wanted to be able to create something which is um, sustainable and has kind of longer term aims rather than just being a kind of immediate reaction to, you know, we must help people, um, you know, just kind of give food and it'll all be okay kind of stuff. I mean, we, we are hoping that this is something that we can keep going that, and then it will adapt and evolve, you know, as the, the need changes um so um in the, for those for that reason um we're also going to be looking for potentially some um kind of supporters from from local businesses um who might be able to kind of continue to support us um financially um so that so that we can continue to to feed people when all of the covid excitement dies down uh you know and it, it, it still gets a bit less interesting to everybody those are the times when we need to be able to keep going um through those times so we'll be probably looking for potentially some kind of corporate membership kind of thing going on as well is there also the opportunity for people who are perhaps you know in that in the community who are more affluent to uh to to you know take part in the service and 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 you know, rather than playing the fat, flat three pounds, make a sort of more voluntary contribution in terms of, you know, is that something that would be useful? Yeah, that's quite a good idea, actually. Um, yeah, and you can frame it in those terms, can you? You know, like when you do, um, I forget what it's called now, but when you can buy a coffee for somebody, can't you, in advance? Yeah, yeah pay sort forward. of pay forward. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's kind that, of, yeah. That, 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 that was my thinking, is that element of, you know, that, 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 that that it it feels like an opportunity to get quite a diverse cross section of of society in sort of through the door and participating, um, you know, and and obviously, if if you know you, people are prepared to pay, 
a bit more because they can, then if that can help to to fund and sustain, make the the project more viable, that would that would seem to me to be a, a an opportunity. Yeah, no, I like that idea absolutely. Yeah, and that's kind of the nice thing about sort of setting something up like this is that um, you know we can make it whatever it needs to be. You know, mm, we can change mm. and have and, and add things in. Uh, you know, as as necessary. Um, yeah, so so it is a really exciting thing. It, for me right now, it's really quite daunting. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's <laughs> a lot to do. Um, and but, but it is really, really exciting. And I'm, I'm confident that we will get there. Um, and there's been lots of goodwill about it. So I'm really thankful for that. It's re- really good to hear some of the some of the comments that we've got in our in along the live stream. We've got um, Rob's comment is um, fantastic initiative. Um, he's asking about how the how the registration process would get managed, but says it's a great idea. Um, offering additional advice at the same time is re- is awesome. And um, Phil also comments, uh, this is a really good community project. Recipe boxes may be an opportunity linked to the cooking skills you were speaking of. Also, how do you manage the service being accessed by the target audience and not just by those looking for some for some cheap foodstuffs? So um, yeah. perhaps a, perhaps some kind of um, I don't know. Are they, are they kind of? I don't know. Is it a little bit cynical of the? As a, is that a worry that that the people that don't really need it might use it? Is that? Um... Well, I think we, yeah. As we talked about this early on. Um, we didn't want to put too many barriers in the way. I'll be honest. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. So 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 it is just the geographical location which is is the criteria. Um, so basically, if you would no- if you normally have your waitrose delivered, uh, but you want to to chop from the larder, you still can. You know that's okay. Chances are, though, if you normally get waitrose delivery, you probably can't be bothered to come down. You know, I mean, because you, you don't need to, uh, unless you know, to, to, into the to the park or whatever. So, um, you know, it's it's you, you could say it's a risk, but I think I think it's more important um, that we just open it up to everybody and actually as long as we can keep stocking um you know the more people access it actually that the more enables us mm. to do stuff a bit. so um uh, and to build relationships in the community you know so yeah. so i'm kind of not too worried about it i think you know with, with everything occasionally you're going to get some people who maybe want to kind of play the system or whatever or take advantage but you know they are so few compared yeah. to the amount of people who need help so and yeah. uh, absolutely and i think that's uh, that's often the risk isn't it you know that there is an element with something like this yeah a few people might take advantage but a few people you know let's hope more want to step forward and help and support and contribute um yeah. you know and, and do the right thing it's uh yeah no it sounds like an, an an extraordinarily exciting initiative and and well done to yourself and the team for being brave enough to take it on and um We'll um we'll probably get back in touch in the new year and ask you how it's going and uh, feel free to drop us a line if you need some uh, you need us to try and get more people to step forward and support. Thank you, thank you so much for for listening. Thank you. Thank you very much for for coming on River and Web. Yes, um that's been fantastic and good luck. We've been seeing it coming together um in there and it's a, and it's a good location. So uh, yeah, great stuff. Well done. We'll hear from hear more soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, fantastic community idea. Really right in the right in the heart of the of um, yeah. Of no, I know, and and it's it's one of these things that set you know set me thinking in terms of there are the ability you know with some of these things now you know just listening to some of the things that that obviously. Amy's looking for you know that ability to micro volunteer and 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 do some stuff then then you know giving a bit back isn't it yeah but we're all if you if you truly believe that we're a community rather than just a load of separate groups that happen to live in the same area then you need community organizations you need community ideas you need community assets to kind of make that work and things like that just I don't know it gives me a a, a nice um a nice feeling that there's something something that's it's really got an opportunity to to have to make quite a quite a change um and in in many ways that space um lots of people probably go past it and don't even ever actually go through it or don't kind of really know yeah. it's there so we, in that respect in that respect it, it's almost a little bit of a um a little bit of a kind of a secret garden kind of thing where um i'm always amazed by how few people there are actually in there but it's um 
But there we go. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't go to it because uh, if Millsy knows ah. that there's a park behind those hedges, um, that is the only place we would ever go. He does tend to take a glance over there from time to time, say, why is that dog going through that gate? Oh, you don't need to worry about that, mate. There's nothing there. Pay no, you, pay no so. attention to the dog behind the bushes. Yeah, yeah. So, so no, really, really good initiative, and let's, let's hope that's, uh, that's a success. Good one. So, cut a part B, as it were. Tears for yes. fears. Lockdown is over. Sort of. Well, sort of. Um, unless you want to get on a ferry and go to the Isle of Wight. Yeah, the Isle of Wight did all right, didn't it? It's uh, the Isle of Wight, Cornwall and the... Was it the Isles of Sheppey? Yeah, but the Isle of Wight's not got COVID because, you know, they're like 50 years ago, so COVID hasn't come around yet then. So yeah, no, probably so nineteen. That's yeah, they're probably nineteen. We're we're being very mean to the cool yes, kids. They're, we we uh, they're, they're we, we love them really. It's a beautiful place to be. And if you were gonna if you're gonna find yourself stranded somewhere, to be fair, you can't. You know, the Isle of Wight's a nice place to get stranded. Oh. But they're tier one. Us and the and the rest of uh, the rest of Hampshire are tier two, and pretty much um, a large proportion of the country. Um, it was a nice um, a nice image to see. That um, that graphic of the country with a large proportion of it actually in Lib Dem Orange, but unfortunately yes. it wasn't a general election result. No, no, I did. Uh, I, I, that was shared on one of the political forums, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, it, it's all very unnerving. And I think that the system itself are kind of, you know, tier two, tier three. Um, the interesting thing for me is the you know whereas before you know. They seem to be looking at distinct areas. So, for instance, Portsmouth and Southampton were, you know, considered different, and and you know now they've effectively said Hampshire, <clears throat> which is you know for me is is interesting. Somebody who was looking at the rates and look, you know, now the numbers in Portsmouth have been ruined by um, the return of the universities. Uh, brackets personal diagnosis not provable in fact close brackets it, it, we've all been lumped in together but if you would have actually looked at this you know um back in sort of july august time um hampshire was a very different map you know we had virtually no infections but as you went up the county towards sort of winchester and basingstoke you know the closer you got to london the the much higher that number was in terms of infection rate so the fact that we've now all been lumped together, um, you know, is a an interesting change of tack. Um, yeah, indeed. I'm just asking the um, the comment, the guys in the well, the, the the listeners actually in the comment section, how they feel the um, the near near two tier life is um, is going for them. I guess um, for you though, gym's back open. That's the that's a bonus. Gym's back you. open tier two. All three, yes. Um, so that the gym has been uh, has been taken off the naughty step. Um, not that we felt it was ever there for any good scientific reason. And um, yes, absolutely splendid. So uh, as I shared before, oh six twenty on Wednesday, I was there enthusiastically lycra clad and ready to roll. And an unfortunately, image. my gym body has come down with a my gym buddy rather has come down with a stinking cold, um, and he's poorly sick and is off work so um i have yet to uh yet to get back in the uh back in the saddle as it were so yeah, yeah. but i think the gym thing highlights you know again with all of these things people throw their hands in the air and say oh but i don't understand the rationale and i think this one probably has the most i would say confusing set of you can and you cannot um out of all of the government announcements so far, shall we? Shall we run through quickly what you can and can't do? Hopefully, people are are aware of that by now, but maybe not. Yeah, so. let's have a little little analysis. So, um, so in tier three, so very high. Um, so in tier three, very high additional restrictions. I should have done this actually. Let's do this the other way around. Actually, let's start at the bottom. Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very nice place to start. Uh, um, tier one doesn't matter. Forget about that. So tier so one, that's... the rule of six applies indoors and outdoors. Spectator sports can resume with a crowd of fifty percent capacity or four thousand spectators, whichever is the least. Um, that's that's tier one. Easy. Yeah. Tier two. 
so tier two, um, high, um, so that's where we are. So basically in tier two, you can't socialize indoors with anyone you do not live with or who is not in your support bubble. So, so this means our, our dream of the of race doing the Pompey Politics podcast live from our Cosham studio rather than remotely via Zoom is still right out in tier two. Well, unless we do it in the garden, I guess. But maybe it's not the time of year for that. Yeah, um, probably a bit early. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, unless you kind of, you know, shivering. So um, you can meet in a group of up to six outside, including in a garden or a public place. So yeah, that includes podcasting. So shops, gyms and personal care services um, can open. Pubs and bars can only open if they serve substantial meals and alcohol can be served with that meal. Um, and Rob's asking us in the in the chat whether a scotch egg is a substantial meal. What's the view on this? Well, I believe Michael Gove has clarified that, that oh God. the scotch egg is a substantial meal. Well, that he's a moron because um, the, the um, I'm sorry, but the... the, the well, have you got to get scotch egg? I've got eggs. nothing against scotch eggs. I've just got something about slimy politicians like Michael Gove trying to actually pass two different interpretations of the same thing on two different programs like he did over the weekend. Um, look, the industry understands and has a clear legal definition of what a substantial meal is. A scotch egg, unless it's, unless it's accompanied with chips and a salad, is not a substantial meal. Jog on, Gove, you're talking nonsense. Um, so... <laughs> Very surprised at your anti-Scotch egg agenda. Again, you're mishearing me. I've got nothing against Scotch eggs, um, except I wouldn't have one today because today's a non-meat day for me. Um, but um, I just think... If you were look, to have two, two Scotch eggs and some pickle... Not today. Cause no, it, uh, no, 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 no. But, 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 you know, and again, if the Scotch egg was a duck egg... Was slightly larger than a chicken egg. No, I think no, no, no. So, well, joking about, and and this is where you know again there was a bit of a Tory rebellion on Tuesday over this. And to be fair, this is the one where, from a, I just don't think it's fair perspective. I do think the hospitality industry has been really hard done to here. Because there is an element of when COVID started to, to, to grow, they were very clear, weren't they, about, you know, right, social distancing, table service only, screens. And, you know, we were you know, a lot of pubs invested a lot of money in making that happen. And the data hasn't shown for me that pubs are a particularly notable vector of disease. So I do get the, you know, the more people drink, the more they'll, you know, they won't socially distance. But I do think they've got the thin end of the wedge on this set of, um, whether, on this set of um, arrangements. Whether, whether we go, I guess they were, they were, you know, they were bound to, at the end of the day, some in a, there was bound to be a, a industry or certain industries that were going to fare worse out of, out of the situation. Um, I'm a bit bemused to hear you kind of basically quoting Tim Martin's expertise in, in virology that there is no evidence that, you know, and I'm sure that's not where you're coming from, but maybe there isn't evidence of world of spread in pubs because there isn't that much compliance with um, the track and trace logging that people have actually been in the pub. Um, and also, they, they haven't really been open. <laughs> So no, 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 no I, so, don't, I absolutely of, get that. But of, of course, I think we're, for me, um, Simon, the bit that I'm struggling with, yeah, uh, is the fact that you know, you you can, you can't go to the pub, but you can go to a basketball match, which was off the list before, you know sports you know going to see live sport was not in the you know was was right out in all the previous arrangements and that one's now been brought in and bear in mind i'm a sports lover and the pubs have been left you yeah. know 
out in the cold, as it were. But the the difference, I guess, and we'll we'll carry on reading through the the list of mm. of the restrictions in a second. But I guess the difference there is that, and here I am trying to defend government policy. Please, we are recording. Um, so the arrangements you can put in place at a football match or at a basketball game are different to the ones that you can put in place with trying to make sure that the six people sat at that table are actually six people that should be sat together at that table and whether they continue yep. to be compliant. So it's it's a different environment. I don't think it's... A, and, it, and it's actually an example of, yes, it's unfair in the sense that, that the hospitality industry is being hit hard by by these measures and actually the, the steps the government is having, having to take. Um, whether, they, whether the steps might not have been quite as necessary if they'd acted sooner or managed the track and trace better etc etc um i guess is a moot point in this this perspective but it's but the point is there was always going to be some industries that were going to fare worse out of this situation than others and i guess maybe you know the government's trying to find a way to have as much oh, a, normality yeah, as it can it's a balancing act and, yeah. and, and look i absolutely and again through, through this whole dilemma through this whole pandemic you know everyone's been throwing their hands in the air and saying well i don't understand why this risky thing over here can happen and this thing over here can't happen and i i kind of get all of it and it, it is you know it, it is an element of of the government is been constantly changing and tweaking the risk profile and it, it just feels if I just look at it in in this particular set of you know recommendations in your tier two, it, it feels like everybody's one except pubs. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, to be fair, Jason in the comment point uh, makes the point that you know it's much easier to be socially distanced at a football ground than it is at a pub, especially if it's Southampton, I guess, because there's so few people there. That's yeah, as, that's yeah. as close as and, I get and to making. They're all a, related. <laughs> They're on, this, they're on the same bubble. So um, that's as close as I get to making any kind of... Yeah, football-related jokes. Football-related things. That's, that's, how does that work? Do you think I've, yeah. you think I've convinced people? Yeah, no, 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 you nailed it. You nailed it. You've, you've gone for the... the Play the laugh Pompey. So, uh, and, I, and again, this was interesting because we're talking about sporting events. And, and yes, they're outdoors. Most, you know, football's outdoors. It's socially distanced. It's, it's all of those things. Um, except the vast majority of people get there via public transport. Um, and where they can that, that's where they can they can jolly well cycle and all of the extra cycle lanes that there are around maybe oh, so um do you, do you want to go do you want to go there I'm, oh i don't think I'm you want to go elm I, grove, I don't know do no, no i don't nightmare, I, no. nightmare on elm grove elm grove so, so um so anyway um i i will I'm not I, I will not be drawn a bit like the plans so um so yes, so running down that list. So uh, pubs and bars, we did uh, pubs and restaurants uh, must shut at uh, eleven o'clock, uh, with last orders at ten o'clock. So allowing people some drinking up time, so to try to spread out, I guess the the splurging and out again, onto the street. That that makes sense, doesn't it? The ten o'clock curfew. I think everyone recognised that that didn't work, didn't no. help. In fact, if anything, it made it all worse. Yeah, if any, yeah, if anything, it, it did make it worse. Um, those people that I know that work in the industry um, reliably inform me. So um, sports can resume with up to 2,000 spectators or 50% capacity, which is, whichever is smaller. Uh, collective worship, weddings, outdoor sports can resume with restrictions. Non-essential foreign travel allowed subject to quarantine rules. So there's a list of countries that you do or don't need to quarantine from when you come back from. Uh, people are advised not to travel to and from tier three areas. So that's that's in two. Um, and in three, um, the additional restrictions are you can't mix with anybody you do not live with or who is not in your support bubble indoors or in private private gardens and pub gardens. So basically, yep. you can't meet anybody else outside. Um, you can meet in a group of up to six in other outdoor spaces such as parks, be uh, beaches or countrysides. So that kind of seems to contradict a bit item one. Yeah, but I guess it depends how big is your garden, madam. Well, if it's a park, then, you know, I guess, you know. Um, shops, gyms, personal care services um, are open. Hospitality venues such as bars, pubs, cafes, etc. must stay closed except for delivery and takeaway. Spectator sports cannot resume. Indoor entertainment venues such as bowling alleys and cinemas must stay closed. And people are advised not to travel to and from tier three areas. So, 
I guess one of the things that you you alluded to earlier on was, um, and there was an example that I heard where there was a there's a place in Kent, and I'm sure it's not the only only example where there's a village that because it's part of because part of it is actually within Kent as a county, and the other half of the the village is actually um, outside of it. Half the village is in tier three, and the other half of the village is in tier two because it it basically comes into the area that is that is London, um, and people were unhappy about that what what's your what's your views on that yeah well i think the trouble with all of these things isn't it you're always going to get anomalies aren't you and that's where you know tier two tier three you you, you've got that you know you're always going to have those town tadley just up near basingstoke i think the high street is the barrier between hampshire and berkshire so there's an element of, you know, both of us are in tier two, I think. So I don't think that makes too much difference. But I think, you know, you, you're going to gonna have that. And we touched on it at the start. You know, Hampshire is in lockdown because it's, you know, we're, we're, all, we're, we're all in tier two. But, you know, Hampshire's a big old county. And I'm sure there are some little villages in the New Forest that are pretty put out that they're in tier two when they're, you know, probably their infection rate is extraordinarily low. So I, I think there's always going to be these anomalies. And tier three, there isn't really that much, you know, that much difference, is there? Particularly when you think about it being November, December. You know, your garden party seems unlikely. You know, you can go. And, and you know, it, it's interesting that I've seen quite a lot of um, stuff online from friends who are, you know, who are single, um, you know, and don't live close to sort of parents, don't have a support bubble. You know, part of their their kind of beef, if you want, is that they, you know, the, the, the joke was that, you know, I can go and do some Christmas shopping, go to the gym, you know, I can then go and get my hair done, um, come home, but then I can't go around, you know, and meet my mate for a cup of coffee. No, Um I kind of, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I agree from a logical sense, you have to draw the line somewhere and there's always going to be places where that looks a bit weird. Um, mm. But you don't have to listen to my explanation of it. Let's listen to the Prime Minister's explanation of it. I know it's very frustrating for people who, who feel that they're in an area where, uh, a high tier area when there's very little incidence in, in their village or, or, or their area. I totally understand why people feel so frustrated. But the, the difficulty is that if you did it any other way, first of all, you'd divide the country up into loads and loads of very complicated subdivisions. There's got to be some simplicity and some clarity in the way that we do this. The second problem is that uh, alas, our experience is that uh, when a high incidence area is quite close to a, a low incidence area, unless you beat the problem in the high incidence area, the, the low incidence area, I'm afraid, starts to, to catch up. So, yeah, I mean, effectively, that was the, um, I'm sorry, it's a rare thing, but the Prime Minister was talking some sense. Yeah, I think, you, 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 again, you know, it, it is the truth, isn't it? That, uh, you know, the more the more complex you make it, the more people take the I don't understand. And, you know, at least in this way, it's it's that, you know, you pretty much know where, know where you stand. You might not like, you know, where it's fallen. And, um, and um, but at least it's, you know, it, it's manageable and I can go to the gym. So really, that's that's pretty much all that matters. So you're OK. Um, so Phil's Phil's point in the in the comments was that um, the he, he mentions about the problem with the whole sports thing is is people getting there, which is what you were saying about the public transport. Yeah. Um, uh, but he also goes on to say that the areas are too large to make the tier system work effectively. In Germany, there's a much more. Uh, focus on local government making decisions, not central government, um, and maybe that's a better approach. Areas being in a high well, tier. Yeah, yeah, so, and that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, who should make um, the decision? You know, if we were, if that was the case, um, where would Portsmouth be at the moment? And I think, uh, I think GVJ's position. I think he's he's made his position reasonably transparent on that, hasn't he? 
Um, well, um, we've got some words from him if we wanted to. Should we get them in quickly? That was me segue, mate. That was, oh, I was trying to you, tee you, you up there. You teed that up as effortless, and then there was me thinking, Yeah. Oh, I, I, you can't get the staff, can you? Okay, here's Council Leader Gerald Vernon-Jackson. But we've effectively got almost a national lockdown with everybody being in Tier 3 or Tier 2 anyway. A week ago we were at 313 uh, cases per 100,000 head of population. Today we're down to 198. By the way, the ting, for those of you that haven't followed us before, is us showing where we've cut the the dialogue so we don't want to make it look like we're passing people's words and, and making them sound like they're saying things that they don't. So that's what the ting is for. If we had been more sensible uh, and the government had been more sensible earlier in this, we wouldn't have such a big problem now. Lots of other countries in Europe have handled this so much better than us. Um, but I think you have to follow the science. And people gathering in large groups, in pubs, in clubs, in nightclubs, um, it, is a recipe for this infection to spread. And if we're serious about trying to stop the virus, we have to take serious action. Uh, and I think the government is absolutely right to do so. So if it was a local decision, I think we'd still be in total lockdown. Um, well, the bit that I didn't, because he'd mentioned it elsewhere, but the bit that um, Gerald had said was that he, he, he'd, um, he'd actually said earlier on in that, um, in that conversation that he'd felt that, Another week of of the national lockdown would have just driven the numbers down even even better, um, and had a had a greater effect. I mean, the the numbers in Portsmouth are dropping, um, yes. so things kind of seem to be working. Obviously, we're always alert to the fact that there's a lag between the action that's being taken, either at a national or a local level, and actually that getting to show up in um, in cases and positive te positive tests um, or anything else. So. You know, it's um, you got to keep your eye on the numbers and respond accordingly. Yeah, yeah. I, I and again, it's another one where I, I, I kind of, you know, I, I absolutely get it. Um, I think there's, you know, I, I, my my view on on, and I'm I'm, you know, I'm very bullish on this where it all went wrong for Portsmouth is when the universities came back and and for me in terms of when we look at missed opportunities and and what we should have could have done differently then for me insisting that all non-practical university tuition went online i believe would have would have deeply compressed this second wave and possibly we wouldn't have needed the draconian measures that we've uh, that we've had to uh, we've had to buy into as part of that and uh yeah it'd so, be very interesting because I, I you know and again this is where I, i'm fairly sure that, that i saw pieces between gerald and the the vice whatever he is chancellor of the university um basically saying well now they've taken all the right precautions there's no need to teach online which i kind of i, I well, bitterly dispute if well, no, I, I know but, um uh, was it James that was um, one of um, one of our listeners uh, a few weeks ago had said that there wasn't as much actually online in Portsmouth Uni, but the yeah. in the interesting thing that was um, in some of the figures that Gerald had discussed a few weeks ago, um, probably about a month ago now, was that um, although there was there's the opportunity that the the university had set up its own testing facility um, to encourage people to test, that there was actually um, the percentage of positive tests amongst the the, of the hang on, sorry. The, the the percentage of positive tests that were the student population was only a percentage or two ahead of actually how much they were as a percentage of the oh, yeah, of the yeah, population. Uh, so, it's, don't, so don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not I'm not I'm not taking the you know the old fart conservative. It's all the bloody fault of the young. Bloody students. I mean, ultimately, yeah. you, you've you've got to take you you got to look at it through the science. You know, there are, we were 311th of 312 for infection rates. We then invited in 28,000 people from areas which had infection rates higher than ours. Well, chaos surprise as to what happens next. Well, now we're going to be sent, now they're all going to be going home. So the ones mm. that live here, sorry, the ones that um, come from Portsmouth that are studying elsewhere 
that might be in areas, obviously if they're in tier three, then the recommendation is that they actually don't leave that tier three area. If they're in other areas, they'll be... Yeah, uh, it's Christmas, don't it? Christmas, mate. No, don't you worry about Christmas. Oh, because... The old, uh, the old, vaccine, the old, uh, the old uh, virus don't work Christmas. Christmas Day, right? <laughs> White flag virus, going to go and have a kick about with it. Get a footy, share a chocolate bar, maybe have a smoke. I... You know, take, take Christmas Boxing Day off. We'll go back into our trench. Virus goes back into his trench. Bish bosh. Sorted. I guess that makes about as much sense as blockading, blockading Hillsy round about the M275 and the Eastern, Eastern Road. Yeah, it's, 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 well, it's bonkers, isn't it? It's bonkers. I wrote my column on it last week in, in the whole, you know, this is not World War One. We're not going to be able to have a bit of a friendly truce and an arrangement over that. You know, the, the five days of, of, mass spreading at Christmas. So. And it also won't be over Christmas. I think our, our family have come to the consensus that, um, do you know what, we'll do something in the summer when we can all get together and properly enjoy ourselves. So, you know, that's, it's a good thing. Yeah. But let's end on a positive. You know, the Pfizer vaccine proved by the MHRA in record time. The first delivery crossed over from Poors today, which is a nice place in Belgium equidistant between Antwerp um, yeah, yeah. Oh, where's the other place nasty place full of horrible Eurocrats so the, so, so obviously it's a virus that's um, sorry it's a vaccine that's been developed from labs across the EU been um, approved by a regulator that follows the follows the criteria that were set by the European uh, medicines regulator that used to be based to, in this country until used, until recently. Yeah, it used to um, be based in London. And yeah. is and is made in Belgium. So at what point does the petty, pathetic nationalism of, well, we've just got the best people, so we've come up with the best solution and that's why we're first. Really? Was that was that necessary? Is that just a load well, of tosh? It, it depends how you look at it. You know, for me, I, I think it was it was an it was an event worth celebrating you know yeah but not um, one you need to wrap yeah, the union flag you know, around right it's not a land of hope and glory vaccine by any stretch of the imagination you know any of the vaccines irrespective of of where they've come from you know the astrazeneca oxford university you know looks a really great candidate much easier to distribute um but so much of this work has been done you know, by unrivaled collaboration across the scientific community around the world, you know, openly sharing research papers that, yeah, we should be pleased. And I don't get the, yeah, but one us, yeah, we shouldn't be crowing about it. Well, I think we should be celebrating. Yeah, but let's not claim that it's a that it's a particularly British thing. I think that that's the point that I'm trying to make. That is just, to be honest with you, that's just pathetic nationalism. Um, let's celebrate the fact that actually we're only where we are because countries have worked together, scientists across the planet have worked together to um, to test and to deliver things uh, and to get and to get this done. It is not a particularly British enterprise that's that's made that. So, in the same way that the same people tend to crow about, oh, we won the Second World War on our own, forgetting all of the other countries that fought with us. Um, come on, let's let's at least be grown up about this. Let's actually <laughs> deal with truth instead of bullshit nationalism um and on that note <laughs> on that miserable note people start getting vaccinated next week let's let's celebrate that shall we yeah but no one that we know you don't know well this is true um but we we shall see but obviously um unless you're one of these people that believes that bill gates is trying to inject you with something which no, bit... don't start on anti-vaxxers i'll get proper cross at this point <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, yeah well, at some point we'll have to have the discussion around civil liberties. You can choose to have a vaccine. It's a personal ch choice. Ultimately, if I am king of the world, you can choose not to have a vaccine. But in my great nirvana, you're not going to be allowed to go anywhere. You can stay in your house and live vicariously off the internet until you're dead. Don't want your ghastly, unvaccinated arse anywhere near the decent population okay well that's a bit bleak but now we understand what they mean by conservatism but um as yeah, a liberal yeah. i have a different yeah. view um but yeah. i would have the view that you're free to not have the vaccine if you don't want it for whatever those yep. reasons are but you're also free to deal with other people's response to whether they want unvaccinated people in their yes. in their establishments yeah, it's, in the same way uh, in fact you, mine is mine is quite a libertarian stance i would like to think 
You want to trap people in their own homes. <laughs> and if they don't choose, choose not to get back. Fascinated. Uh, choices have consequences. Yeah, they, they do. But so on that anyway. bombshell, you've been listening to the Pompey <laughs> Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I've been Ian Tiny Morris. And I've been Simon Sandspring. And technology um, notwithstanding, on Sunday, please join us as we welcome back to the show Let's Stop Aquind as they talk to us ahead of the open forum meetings in Portsmouth um, about that controversial project. <laughs>